ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाकाया चक्षुर्मीलिताये नम Reading from Shrimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, Chapter 15, Text Number 68, Translation and Commentary by His Divine Grace Shri A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swamiprabhupada, Founder Acharya Aviskar. Because of your service to the Supreme Lord, all of you Pandavas defeated the greatest dangers posed by numerous kings and demigods. By serving the lotus feet of Krishna, you conquered great enemies who are like elephants. And thus you collected ingredients for sacrifice. By his grace, may you be delivered from material involvement. Purport. Placing himself as an ordinary householder, Maharaj Yudhishthya inquired from Narad Noni how a griha mudha dhi, a person who is entangled in household life and who thus continues to remain a fool, can be delivered. Narad Noni encouraged Maharaj Yudhishthya by saying, You are already on the safe side because you, hand on your mouth, you should wash it. Yeah. Wash it, wash it. Your left hand is on it. This is called Paran. You are already on the safe side because you, along with your entire family, have become a pure devotee of Krishna. By Krishna's grace, the Pandavas conquered in the battle of Kurukshetra and were saved from many dangers posed not only by kings, but sometimes even by the demigods. Thus they are a practical example of how to live in security and safety by the grace of Krishna. Everyone should follow the example of the Pandavas who showed how to be saved by the grace of Krishna. Our Krishna consciousness movement is intended to teach how everyone can live peacefully in this material world and at the end of life return home back to Godhead. In the material world there are always dangers at every step. Padang padang yadipadang natesham. Nonetheless, if one takes shelter of Krishna without hesitation and keeps under the shelter of Krishna, he can easily cross the ocean of nescience. Samashuta ye padda pallavaplavang mahatpadang punya yashomararehe. To the devotee, this great ocean of nescience becomes like a puddle of water in the hoofprint of a cow. A pure devotee, without embarrassing himself by trying for elevation in so many ways, stays in the safest position as a servant of Krishna and thus his life is eternally safe without a doubt. Yatahi yu yangra pradeva dusyajad apad ganad uttaratatmana pradoho yadpada pankeru hasevaya bhavana har shin niljata digyaja kratun O King Yudhishthya, because of your service to the Supreme Law, all of you Pandavas defeated the greatest dangers posed by numerous kings and demigods. By surveying the lotus feet of Krishna, you conquered great enemies, who were like elephants, and thus you collected ingredients for sacrifice. By his grace, may you be, may you be delivered from material involvement. Stop that. That's another thing Prabhupada said many times. Stop that. Lokanath Maharaj told that was the first instruction he got from Prabhupada. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Narad Muni is... Actually, he's finished giving his detailed instructions on how to live in this material world as a perfect person. He's... given the idea of 
how one can live as a perfect brahmachari, householder, vanaprastha and sannyasi. He's given general instructions for civilized human beings. Now he's going to give some very, or he is giving some very specific uh, instructions or to, to bring these general directions into focus in the life of the individual who he's instructing, namely Maharaj Yudhishthira. So that is the duty of the Guru. He gives general instructions and specific instructions. General instructions for all. Everyone should rise early. Everyone should chant the Hare Krishna mantra. But he may give specific instructions or indications to individuals also. That's called fine-tuning. That everyone has general rules and regulations to follow, but in particular what an individual should do or how he should adjust his life so that he becomes perfectly placed in Krishna consciousness. For that some specific instruction may be required. Now, in giving some specific direction to Maharaj Yudhishthira, Narad Muni is in effect saying that, well, all these things I taught you because you asked me, you said, Yudhishthira Maharaj posed these questions to Narad Muni, that how can I as Grihamudhadi, as a foolish person, stuck in householder consciousness, how can I attain to such a position as you, who are a great brahmachari, always traveling here and there, glorifying the Lord, whereas I'm just a householder stuck at home and engaged in politics and diplomacy and fighting and social matters and so many things. But Narad Muni, he then instructed Yudhishthira Maharaj, and when it's said that the king is instructed, that means that the king's assembly is also instructed, because the king is never alone. He's with his ministers, confidants, brothers, family members. So he instructed Maharaj Yudhishthira. But at the end of it all, giving all these instructions, he's saying, actually these instructions, they're not really meant for you anyway. Because you're, you have posed yourself as Griha Murhadi. And there may be many Griha Murhadi in your association or in your court. So for the benefit of those and for the benefit of others in future, I've given these instructions. But actually your position is extraordinary. Yudhishthira Maharaj's position is extraordinary in more than one way. In one way it's extraordinary, but what he had to go through in his life. Padam padam yad padam natesham. Everyone's life is full of dangers at every step, but Yudhishthira Maharaj's life was exceptional in as much as the severe dangers at every stage of their life. And it's not everyone who goes through what the Pandavas go through. That Kunti Devi summarized the, the major difficulties that the Pandavas had to go through. Vishan Mahagne Purushadatashana Asat Sabhaya Vanavasa Kritshita Mridhe Mridhe Neka Maharatastrata Dronastrata Chasma Hare Virakshitaha That even in their childhood when they were uh, being trained by Dronacharya 
Then Duryodhan, he became envious of the Pandavas, and specifically of Bhima, who he could see in future that Bhima would be a great obstacle in his ambitious plans to rule the state. So he conspired to have Bhima poisoned. That was the first endeavor of the Kauravas headed by Duryodhana to kill Bhima. So even though Bhima is very powerful, the poison was so powerful that it made him unconscious and was thrown in the water. But then the, they were the poisonous snakes. They also bit him. So then they thought he must be finished. But actually the poisonous snakes, the, their poison that counteracted the poison that had been administered to him, administered to him, and he came back to consciousness, much to the chagrin of Duryodhana. So the next plan was to burn them all alive. Our dear brothers, we have constructed a very nice house for you. Will please go and live there very happily? All right. And one night we will burn it down. But that they didn't tell. <laughs> but Vidur, he gave some indication. What is a weapon that destroys more thoroughly, even though it has no sharp edges like a knife? Vidur gave some indication. And Yudhishthira Maharaj very intelligently could appreciate that. And he also noticed that the house is made of lacquer, which you put a match and it's all over. It'll all burn very easily. So they prepared themselves for that and escaped. Then uh, they were running in the forest and they had to come across a great Rakshasa, who again, Bhima, saved, saved them from the Hidimba and then married his sister, Hidimba, Pushada Darshana. Then the, uh, the worst thing, the humiliation in the Asat Sabha, what was the most humiliating part? Was it that Draupadi was insulted or they lost their kingdom? Or, or was it that even so many great personalities sided with the Kauravas and, and failed to speak out against the humiliation of Draupadi? So in all ways it was a very horrible experience. So horrible that the normally if someone mistreats you, you may after some time, forgive that. But that memory was burning, particularly in Bhima's heart and in Draupadi's heart for so many years and could only be assuaged by destroying all the Kauravas. Then, having to live in the forest, they are royal princes, they're used to luxury and comfort, and even they may be able to live in the forest after all their Kshatriyas, so they can take some difficult conditions. But the humiliation of having to wander in the forest, whereas they're supposed to be ruling over the whole world, then they had to, at the end of all this, they came out of the forest, and then they had to, Arjuna had to become like a eunuch, they had to pretend some different role. Draupadi had to be working like a maidservant. Very horrible condition for them. Then they had to face in the battle so many great warriors. Prabhupada mentioned that in comparison to Bhishma, 
Arjun, the mighty Arjun, was like a fig. So in all, they were outnumbered by the Kaurava forces. And moreover, the, the best fighters were actually all on the, the topmost fighters. That means specifically Bhishma, Drona, and also Ashvatthama. They were all on the Kaurava side. So, they got through that also. And then, Ashvatthama sent the Brahmastra to destroy the last remaining descendant of their dynasty. But, Krishna protected them in all circumstances. So, Maharaj Yudhishthira was extraordinary in many ways. His character as an ideal person, his having to go through so many difficulties that we cannot imagine. And above all, he was extraordinary as a great pure devotee of Krishna. Now, here Narad Muni is saying, that because of your service to the Supreme Lord, because of your attitude of wholehearted surrender to the Supreme Lord, that you Pandavas defeated the greatest dangers posed by numerous kings and demigods. It wasn't only that the Pandavas were beset by difficulties from only human beings on this earth, but even they had to face different demigods and demons. Yudhishthira Maharaj, he actually was his friend, Chitarata, the Gandharva, king of the Gandharvas, who arrested Duryodhana and the Kauravas, and Bhima was very happy. Great! Wonderful! What we could have achieved only with great difficulty has come about by providence. But Yudhishthira said, no. Gandharvas are our friends, and the Kauravas are our enemies, but the Kauravas are our blood brothers. So it is an insult that the Gandharvas have arrested them. So we will, we will fight with the Gandharvas. Similarly, Arjuna was tested by Lord Shiva. He passed that test and was awarded with various weapons by Lord Shiva. Taking those weapons and taking more weapons from Indra Dev, he was sent to fight against the hordes of Nivatakavachas, great demons who even Indra and the demigods could not overcome. Arjuna overcame them. So in so many ways, the Pandavas, they had to undergo so many difficulties. But Krishna saved them in every instance. And in this way, they collected ingredients for sacrifice. Now, Narad Muni gives a benediction to Yudhishthira Maharaj. By his grace, may you conquer over the most difficult test which is yet to come to you. Yudhishthira Maharaj may be surprised. What now? We went through so many difficulties. What more difficulties will there be? It, it seems that we're safe now. We're situated on our throne. 
the enemies are destroyed. So what greater difficulty is there to come? Narad Muni gives the benediction. By his grace, may you be delivered from material involvement. The greatest test that we all have to undergo is getting free from material entanglement. This was Yudhishthya Maharaj's query. That I am Griha Muradhi. I am entangled in family life and in foolish materialistic consciousness. How can persons like myself be delivered? So Narad Muni is saying that yes, this is the real difficulty we all have to face. Otherwise in various species of life, Everyone is facing difficulty. Everyone is facing danger. Even if you see people, they like to go into the country and see, oh, everything is very peaceful. I heard that the most popular screensavers in the world are ones of different country scenes. That people are sitting in their office on the 120th story of not the World Trade Center, maybe the, maybe the, what's that other one called? Empire State Building. And all around them they can see high-rise buildings and low-rise buildings and buildings and buildings and buildings. And maybe a little bit of, maybe a little strip of polluted Hudson River going past. But on their screensaver or their wallpaper of their computer they have some beautiful country scene. That's as close as nature to nature as they get. So people think, yes, it's nice, we'll go in the country. Here also, people in this area come from Bombay to Pune and then they go to Mahabalisha and they enjoy the country scene. So they think it's very peaceful and nice and beautiful. But if you analyze actually what's going on, then nature is full of violence. That one frog is looking for some insect to eat and a snake is looking for a frog to eat and maybe there's a fox looking for the snake to eat and every living being is in complete anxiety even the plants are fighting with each other sometimes they show that they over a long period over many days they show, they make the videotape of the creeper growing around the tree and then they speed it up so you can see 50 days in 5 minutes and you'll see it, it looks like the creeper and the tree are fighting with each other as the creeper tries to come up so everyone is struggling the world is full of violence and dangers and you'll find the, the animals they're always alert and aware they're always afraid that some creature is going to come and eat me. They're always in the anxiety. Samasamadvigna. Always full of anxiety. In uh, England, where I come from, it's a very common thing. Early in the morning, you'll see there's these birds, they're called starling. So they, they have a habit of, in the, on the grass lawn or on the earth, They'll poke their beak in and pull up a worm. And they'll, the worm will be struggling and the starling will be pulling it up. And they pull it up and eat it. 
God, as he's going down, putting his beak down, at the same time, he's looking up this way, going down, looking this way, always looking, attacking one side and looking this way the other, because he's afraid that the cat will come behind me and catch me. So this is, this is indicative of material life. That one person or living being, what it may be human body or other body, they're trying to exploit and dominate one living being. At the same time, they're afraid there's another person trying to catch me. This is material life. This is the greatest danger. To again and again be born in various species of life. There was one song, again, going back to my lecture, Western culture. I'd rather be a sparrow than a snail. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because the snail gets eaten by the sparrow. But then you may say, I'd rather be a cat than a sparrow. And then it goes on and on, up and up. The cat wants to be a dog, a dog wants to be a tiger, a tiger wants to eat the yogi. The yogi wants to be God. <laughs> the yogi tells the tiger, who, he, who was previously a mouse, Puna Mushikabhavo, you again become a mouse. But he himself, the yogi, he's also going to become a mouse. Because he thinks, the yogi thinks, I'm going to become God. By my mystic power I can turn a tiger into a mouse. I'm as good as God. So he'll fall back into the cycle of birth and death. And at some point he'll become a mouse and get eaten by a cat also. This is material life. Therefore, Narad Muni is giving the benediction that may Lord Krishna free you from material entanglement. This is the greatest benediction. And this is the greatest danger to be entangled in material life. One may think, well, I'm very safe, very comfortable, nothing can go wrong. But no, you have to die, whatever situation you may be in. There was one multi-billionaire. What was his name? Howard Hughes or something? Hugh Hefner? Howard Hughes. I think. Sorry. I wouldn't win that, what's that called? Korpati Kanbanegar or whatever it's called. I'd be a failure in that, that's for sure. So, uh, he thought that, well, you can only die if some germs attack you. Then you'll get a disease. So he had millions of, not millions of dollars, that was this change, was his millions of dollars. He had billions of dollars. So he devised a system where he lived in a house which was completely, it was supposed to be, it was all air-conditioned and completely antiseptic. He had people going around antisepticizing everything all the time. and The air which was circulated was all filtered and purified. And anyone, anyway, he lived alone. He didn't live with anyone, but he had his servants and they always had to put on gloves. And every time they touched something, they had to change their gloves. And this way he thought, I'll be free from germs. And then I'll live. But he didn't. He died. 
it was predictable. <laughs> so he was thinking I'll make a completely safe situation for myself. But there's no safe situation. Who thought on September the 11th, that great day in history, that in the World Trade Center, that you'd be sitting, doing your work early in the morning, and an airplane would come in through the window. (laughs) No one expected. I heard a story, someone told me, that on the lower floors, what happened, there was some office run by a South Indian. And they heard some some sound. And they heard some people screaming a little bit and saw some smoke. And they thought, well, this is World Trade Center. The fire brigade must have been called. So, back to work, boys. So they all went back to work and then the next minute the whole thing collapsed on their heads and killed them all. Because he was thinking, I'm safe. Something happened up there, but I'm down here. (laughs) They couldn't imagine. No one in America imagined. They, They used to see on the TV terrorism. Oh, that's something that happens in some other country, not in America. <laughs> now they're afraid. They were thinking, we are safe. They're not safe. Now they're all afraid. They became so afraid they wouldn't even open up an envelope. They're afraid they'd get some germs in the envelope. But, they're so foolish they don't consider that whether you get killed by Bin Laden or whether you die peacefully in your sleep, you have to die. It comes to the same thing. It all adds up to the same thing ultimately. And what they don't know is that Dhruvam Janmam death is certain and for one who has died, birth is also certain. And along with birth comes suffering, 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 on and on and on. So the real danger is not so much external dangers, but the real danger is that if we're not Krishna conscious, then we have to be born and suffer again and again and again. So, Narad Muni is benedicting you, Dishya Maharaj, that may Krishna deliver you from material involvement. That you were poisoned, you were, they attempted to burn you to death, that the Rakshasas tried to kill you and eat you. In so many ways you have to suffer so many dangers. That is not actually the most dangerous thing. The most dangerous thing is not to be Krishna conscious is to forget Krishna. And now Muni is giving the benediction to Yudhishthira Maharaj. Of course, it's understood that Yudhishthira Maharaj is an eternally perfect person. Nevertheless, Narad Muni several times had the opportunity to act as the guru of devotees who are 
perfect or almost perfect, highly advanced personalities. Narad Muni is the guru even of Vyasadeva. Even Vyas became despondent and required to be instructed. So who could instruct Vyasadeva? who is the incarnation of God, another incarnation of God, Narad Muni, Shakta with Bhakti Shakti, the power to infuse devotional service into another. The Narad Muni is the guru of many great personalities. Here he's acting as the guru of Yudhishthira, not exactly by initiation. The Pandavas, they had their family priests, Dhomya. But Narad Muni is clearly the more important guru in the lives of the Pandavas because he gives information of the highest truth. Yudhishthira Maharaj is known as Dharmara, a very strict follower of Dharma. And undoubtedly his family guru gave instructions in how to follow all the rules and regulations of dharma, which Yudhishthira Maharaj was most uh, careful in following, assiduous in following. But actually what is the purpose of all this dharma? What does it all lead to? That Narad Muni instructed Yudhishthira Maharaj. Here in this verse, Narad Muni is saying that you conquered great enemies and thus you were able to collect ingredients of sacrifice. Yudhishthira Maharaj explained that actually, why are we entering into this war with the Kauravas? What is the purpose? Why don't we just be content with what we've got, even if it's nothing? Explain that as Kshatriyas, our duty is to perform sacrifices and give charity. So for that we require some income, we require money. The Kshatriya cannot be a beggar, he cannot be a poor man. So we cannot execute our dharma unless we are properly situated as Kshatriyas. We have to have jurisdiction, we have to be kings. You have to have jurisdiction over some, at least some land. Land, Sarvakama, Dugamahi. The land gives all desirable things. So, Yudhishthira Maharaj is very much insistent that we have to perform our dharma. And if we are obstructed in performing our dharma by those who are adharma, then we will invoke our rights according to dharma as kshatriyas of fighting according to religious principles. So Yudhishthira Maharaj was an assiduous follower of dharma. But exactly for what purpose dharma should be executed, Narad Muni is giving clear instructions. Of course, Krishna also instructed Arjuna in the same purpose, that all dharmas are ultimately to be relinquished, to come to the state of the highest dharma, which is simply to surrender to Krishna. 
So it's quite astonishing that Narad Muni, after describing all the, de- not all the details, actually it's only an overview, there are many, many, many details of how to execute the way of life in different orders, uh, either as Brahmachari, Grihastha, Vanaprastha, Sanyasi, Shudra, Vaishya, Kshatriya, Brahmana. There are many, many, many different rules and regulations to be followed. So, Narad Muni gave an overview of those to Yudhishthira Maharaj. But now he's coming to the summary that actually for you, you're already so exalted that you have achieved that which is ultimately to be achieved by all the followers of Varnashram, which is to become dear to Krishna. In fact, he told Yudhishthira Maharaj that you're so fortunate, others are following the Varnashram system to get the favor of the Lord, but you are so fortunate that the, the, the Supreme Lord himself is so intimately related with you as a friend, as a cousin. Sometimes he becomes your messenger. Sometimes he becomes your servant. Sometimes he becomes your confidant. Sometimes your minister. He's so much intimately related with you. For your sake, he will lie. He will cheat. Many times people ask, why is it that Krishna induced Maharaj Yudhishthira to say a lie? And Krishna himself became in the eyes of foolish people, defamed by them. Why did he induce Arjuna to kill Karna in an apparently adharmic manner? Krishna did all this. Afterwards Krishna explained. He was, himself was asked, but why did you do this? And Krishna said, well, if he didn't do that, he couldn't have won the battle. There was no other way to do it. So Krishna was so much concerned that Yudhishthira Maharaj be sat on the throne, that he became intimately involved in their activities. So how much fortunate is Yudhishthira Maharaj? Why fortunate? Because he's the emperor of the world? No. Fortunate that he was able to overcome so many difficulties? Yes, but not simply because he came, overcame so many difficulties, but because he did so directly by the grace of Krishna. Everyone undergoes difficulties, and sometimes people are delivered from those difficulties apparently by chance. Again, getting back to that September 11th thing, so I read that one of our devotees was distributing books, and then he met someone who said, well, actually I was supposed to be on one of those flights, but I was late and I missed it. So then I started considering about, that was lucky, I was just saved from being killed on September the 11th. So he was very eager to take one of the books. So, circumstantially, one may be saved from various dangers. But if one is directly protected by Krishna, then how fortunate he is. So this is a devotee's ambition. He doesn't pray to the Lord, deliver me from difficulty. But he prays to the Lord, 
that please engage me in your service. <coughs> Deliver me from difficulties means the devotee thinks that the only thing which is really bad in life is to forget Krishna. Otherwise, whatever else may happen, let me suffer that tatenu kampan susamikshamano bhunjana evadna kitangviparakam vidbhagva pudevidatastama vidatastama stay. Then, Jiveta yo mukti One who thinks that I'm getting so many difficulties, it's all due to my karma, let me suffer, but let me go on serving Krishna. Then Krishna, at whose feet Mukti Devi sits, delivers such a person. He is thinking, this is my karma. I have to suffer like this. But by his thinking like that and going on serving Krishna, then even if there is any residual karma that he's suffering from, because he has the attitude only to surrender to Krishna, then Krishna certainly gives him liberation and more. Krishna gives him the opportunity to serve him eternally. So this is the good fortune of Yudhishthira Maharaj. He may have appeared to be unfortunate. What an unfortunate life from the very beginning. You see, you lose your father and then your your cousin brothers. They're simply your enemies and they make so many difficulties for you in so many ways. Very unfortunate. But Yudhishthira Maharaj is very, very fortunate because Krishna took personal interest in him. So actually, a devotee he doesn't so much try to avoid difficulties as to accept difficulties in Krishna's service. And if a devotee, if he gladly accepts difficulties in Krishna's service, then Krishna certainly saves him from the difficulty of repeated birth and death. Therefore, Kunti Devi had the astonishing prayer, which is quite opposite to the way most May there be more difficult. Oh Krishna, I you see she was listing the poisoned cake, then burning house. Rakshasas, humiliation, living in the forest. She was listing all the difficulties. He said to Krishna, I'm not complaining. Please don't think I'm complaining. I'm thanking you very much. Thank you for sending all these difficulties. Now please give us more. It's an unusual prayer. Most people don't pray like this. But she was praying like this. Dear Krishna, please give us more difficulties. Because then we'll remember you more intensely. And by remembering you thus, we will see you always. And we will never have to see material life again. This is the prayer of Kunti Devi. So devotees, those who are aspiring to be pure devotees, they may desire like that. 
And particularly if one goes to preach Krishna consciousness in the modern world, then you don't have to ask separately for difficulties to come. They will be there. We are, we are moving in a society of people who have human bodies but whose mental characteristics is more like that of poisonous snakes, crocodiles and other envious creatures. Those who go out to preach, they are very much aware of this. So, going to preach means there will be so many difficulties. So many people will try to obstruct in so many ways. So, if one is actually to preach Krishna consciousness, he cannot do so simply by outwitting another person or by learning many different things. You can actually do so by fully taking shelter of Krishna and of Guru and Krishna and praying for their mercy. Even Prabhupada himself was doing that. When Prabhupada landed in America, he prayed to Krishna that, I don't know why you brought me to this horrible place. So many people are going from India to America and they're thinking, how wonderful. I came to America. But Prabhupada, when he first saw America, he described it, Ugrasthan, this horrible place. I don't know why you have brought me to this horrible place. But I suppose that you must have some business in doing so. You must have some reason. So you brought me here. So I'm only your puppet. You are the puppeteer. So you make me dance as you like. And according to your plan, these people who are completely absorbed in the lower modes of material nature, they may be delivered. So that is the mood of a devotee who goes out into the dangerous jungles of Kali Yuga, where the, means the concrete jungles, where people, their consciousness is like that of very dangerous vipers and serpents and presents the message of Krishna. So many difficulties will be there. Devotee happily tolerates and goes on preaching Krishna consciousness, even if others may not appear to be interested, or even more worse, they may be even against Krishna consciousness. But a devotee goes on with his duty of preaching Krishna consciousness. And in this way, earns the pleasure and earns the protection of Krishna. Such a devotee is guaranteed to go back home, back to Godhead. As one devotee once asked Prabhupada that, that well, will we go, will we go back to Godhead? Prabhupada said that we're all working so hard to send others back to Godhead and we ourselves will not go. <laughs> Another time a devotee said to Prabhupada that you see we're out distributing books all day every day and we meet so many materialistic people and they were always having to talk to them. Many times you see if you want to catch their attention you'll 
you'll talk to them in an almost materialistic manner. Because if you, if you, to stop someone at the airport, in an airport in America, first of all, to stop them is pretty difficult. And then if you start, if you say, hello sir, Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, Kutas Tvakashvilamin, they're not going to stop and listen. Oh, I made a mistake, sorry. And so you have to, hello there, where are you coming from? This, that, oh, you're in the, uh, you're a fish farmer. Oh, how wonderful. And you have to say. (laughs) (laughs) You speak to them almost in a materialistic way. So the Bodhi was saying that we are all day, every day, we are meeting these people and speaking of them in a materialistic manner, then how will we be able to remember Krishna at the time of death? Prabhupada said, if you just go on with this book distribution throughout your life, then at the time of death, Lord Chaitanya will come and force his way into your mind and take you back to Godhead personally. That was Prabhupada's promise. Hare Krishna. Is there any question? disguised as a hunter. You know this story? And fought with Arjuna. That Arjuna was hunting and then one hunting man from the, from the forest came and with his bow, Arjuna had his bows and arrows and the, the hunting man, they also have bows and arrows. He said, no, this is my, I killed this animal. And Arjuna said, no, I killed it. Arjuna wanted to take for the sacrifice. And so they had some fight and then Arjuna is a trained Kshatriya and some hunter. You know, they're just going around shooting a few animals in the forest. But actually gave him such a severe fight. Then Lord Shiva showed his form to him and said, Yes, I'm satisfied with you. Then he gave him more weapons. So it was a challenge. Even Arjuna, what to speak of demigods, they're demigod S. 
who gave Arjuna a severe test. Who was that? Urvashi. For that, Arjuna's moral character was tested. For that, the great Arjuna, powerful, heroic Arjuna, he had to become a eunuch for one year. That's his own choice. That's the test. Are you a devotee or not a devotee? How strong is your devotion? Recently I met a man in Dubai. He said that I used to follow this Sai Baba. Your Sai Baba, not that Bangalore Sai Baba, your Marathi Sai Baba. <laughs> Sorry, not yours, you're all devotees, but the local, the original Muslim Sai Baba. But he said, but now my wife, she convinced me and I chant 18 rounds a day. But you know, I, I want to get, my ambition has always been to get two million dirhams. One dirham is about, I don't know, it's about 15 rupees I guess by now. So he said, I'm, I've been working all my life and I still don't have any savings. So I want to get two million dirhams and I'll use it for religious purposes. But you know, I've been chanting and following, it's not doing anything. So I'm thinking of going back to Sai Baba. So, what kind of chanting is that? It's not very devotional, is it? It's not actually devotion. Devotion hasn't really arisen in the heart. Bhukti mukti spriha yavat pishachi hridivartate tavat bhakti sukhasya as long as one has desires for material enjoyment or for liberation, as long as these desires which are compared to like a witch residing within the heart, then one cannot actually experience what is bhakti. So that is the test. Do we want Krishna or do we want material enjoyment? When the difficulty comes, we'll try to avoid it. And if that means to overcome the difficulty we have to give up Krishna conscious also, then we'll give it up if we're not Krishna conscious. If we're doing it for Krishna's sake, then we'll accept whatever difficulties come and go on with our Krishna consciousness. Please don't lean on Prabhupada Vyasasana. It's not meant for leaning on. It's for Prabhupada's service, not your service. But if actually we're doing it for our own enjoyment, then when difficulties come, we'll give it up and we'll think there's a better way to overcome these difficulties. Let me try something else. Let me try Sai Baba or 
let me try, I'll become a member of the Congress party. Or <laughs> Actually, in this, in this part of the world, the Sheep Sainer is the best, right? If you have any difficulty, if you're a member of the Sheep Sainer, they'll help you out. Of course, with all due respect to El Takaway, he can't save you from birth and death. So better to take shelter of Krishna. Is that right? Now Admuni is saying he will be delivered from material entanglement. Is that the question? Yes, Maharaj, and we did not get to Krishna directly. We always need a bona fide spiritual to approach for us. So? I just want to know the exact situation. You want to know the exact situation? That we may not be able to know exactly in all the details. Because it's a question of love. And love is not very, it's not completely definable. And it's always changing also. <laughs> or love. Its movements are not straightforward. It's like a snake. You see a snake goes like this. So exactly we may not be able to understand. But, this much we can understand that even pure devotees, when they come to this material world, they may often appear to be as if entangled in material life. And it may appear as if they are subject to material conditions. It may appear so. But ultimately they are fully protected by Krishna. Prabhupada gave the example that, not only Prabhupada, it's a traditional example, we heard it from Prabhupada, that a cat carries her kitten in its mouth. And the cat also catches the mouse in its mouth. So both are in the mouth of the same cat. But the kitten is thinking very nice. My mother is protecting me. And the mouse is thinking, <laughs> I should have written a will. <laughs> so, they're both in the same situation, apparently in the same situation. But the kitten is protected, whereas the mouse is about to be destroyed. So in the same way, a devotee may appear to be within material condition, but actually he's fully protected by Krishna. And even his appearing to be in material conditions, that is to show for us who are lesser devotees, that if we fully take shelter of Krishna, then even if we have to go through so many difficulties, Krishna will ultimately deliver us. So this is demonstrated in the lives of pure devotees. 
Yeah, what I'm talking about is that people, I was saying that last night, that uh, how do we shape our behavior and the way we interact with others? How does a child learn how to walk and talk and different gestures? Just like last night I was saying also, in Indian culture to go like this, it means signifying agreement. Whereas in the West, at least where I come from, this means a negative. So how do we learn all these things? We learn from childhood, according to the culture that we're brought up in. And we have role models. In the beginning, our parents, and then in traditional Indian culture, the parents, the elders in the family, and then the young children, the young boys especially look up to the eldest son. So the children have to be trained, and then the children will be brought up being told, the girls will be brought up being told stories of Sita Devi, Kunti Devi, and great chaste women. And in this way, they learn how to behave and how to act. And the Vedic culture brings us up to behave and act this Sadharan Dharma that is in Varnashram Dharma that brings us as close to our original Dharma, Jaiva Dharma, Krishna Consciousness, that brings us as close to that as is possible according to the mentality that we have acquired according to our past activities. Whereas in modern life, people, they learn, everyone has to learn how to behave. But there's no set standard of how to behave. And mostly people in the modern age pick it up from TV. How you talk, all slang, and how you act, just like Recently in India, until very recently, it was considered absolutely taboo for young unmarried girls and boys to even talk to each other. But now it's very common they'll walk with their arms around each other. So they've learned this from TV and cinema. This is the, this is how we should behave. Now, that kind of behavior which is seen on TV, it's all artificial actually, in which people show themselves, Hi! How are you? Fine! <laughs> it's, it's more concerned with making a show of being happy than of actually being uh, st- of steady heart. People don't have steady consciousness. Their consciousness is always disturbed because they have so many material desires. So, especially in modern society, how people behave, it's more cutting a profile, imitating the behavior of some TV character, than of actually developing their character from within the heart. 
modern behavior is not based upon character or upon qualities, but upon simply trying to impress others, particularly trying to impress the opposite sex. <coughs> Artificial behavior. So we'll finish that. Hmm? They regulate our lives in a manner that is favorable for bringing out our original personality. There's all these people who say that, well, you know, I just want to be the way I am, and, but they don't know, they just follow, they, they say, I want to be the way I am, but then why do they buy the particular brand of jeans which is advertised on the TV? <laughs> That's, this is the whole block of modern life. Be yourself. You'll see advertisements. This, our brand, some, what is it, Raymond's or something, Raymond suiting, helping you, makes you the man you are, or something like this. <laughs> but they're selling you the clock, and telling you that by doing this, you will, by buying our clock, you will express yourself. It's a bluff. <laughs> Anyone who's got any slight intelligence can see through this. <laughs> the whole of modern life. People inter interact with each other I, simply to get some advantage from them. That, like I say, people, young boys are acting and they have to act very cool and a little tough. And they have to show off to the girls. The girls have to show them. Yeah, we're all fun. <laughs> and the other way of uh, interacting is that just like you see, someone will come to your door and sell you something. And they're very friendly and very nice. I've got something very nice for you. But they don't give a damn about you. They want to sell you something for their benefit. I've got something very nice for you. But do you really think he cares for you? This person has come to my door. He never saw me in his life. I don't know who he is. And he's saying, I've got something nice for you. Should you believe him? That he's come just because he wants to do something good for you. Now he wants to do something good for himself. He wants to sell you something so that he can get some money for himself. But he says, I've got something very nice for you. It's presented as if I'm doing something good for you, whereas actually he wants to do something which he thinks is good for himself. So the whole of modern life is simply based on cheating, that's all. That's why, you see, as devotees, we should speak straightforwardly. In the beginning, you see, we may say, I've got something very nice for you. We may also do the same thing. Here's a very nice book. It will teach, it will help you, you see, 
to concentrate. Most of the students want to know how to concentrate on the, all the boring stuff we're supposed to read. <laughs> it doesn't have any inherent attraction. And we're supposed to study it day and night. So how can we concentrate? So they say, well, you see, this book teaches you how to concentrate. And say, oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> but our real aim is to teach you how to concentrate on Krishna. We don't say what it teaches you to concentrate on. <laughs> So we're also certain kind of cheating, but that's actually for people's ultimate benefit. But we shouldn't, actually our preaching, in the beginning we may just give a book like this and tell people anything, practically to take a book. But then when we're, if we're speaking in public lectures and preaching among people, then we shouldn't simply flatter them and our aim is not simply to make people feel nice in an artificial superficial way but we may have to say things which they may not like to remove their of course it's we may have to say things they don't like to remove their entanglements or their attachments of course not everyone should do that not everyone should attempt to do that it's just like in surgery. A surgeon is required, but it requires some training also. It's if you've been given knowledge of how to perform basic first aid, then you shouldn't attempt to do a heart transplant. <laughs> it requires certain training. But that is also required. To seek what is required and not simply what the person wants to hear for their sense gratification. All right, so, still more questions. All right, do we have time? Yeah. Thank you. I can teach you many more. I'm writing a book. <laughs> when you get it, you'll faint. <laughs> it's going to be about this big. and it's <laughs> All the things about Krishna consciousness that you didn't know. <laughs> many things. So, you think there's many, but there are many more to come. None of them are difficult to follow. But you should know. For instance, I saw Rate Shambhrabhu this morning turning the devotees around as they were dancing with their backs to the deities. A very commonly done thing. But then we should consider what we're chanting. We're chanting in glorification of the Lord and at the same time turning our back to Him. It's contradictory. Did you ever think about that? So we should face towards the Lord when we're in the kirtan, in the temple, not turn our backs to Him. For instance, this is one of the many basic things which somehow or other they're not much taught these days, but they should be taught. So what was your question, or does the question get scuffered? So we understand that the rules are for our own benefit. 
Why not? Which rule are you not able to follow? Waking up early in the morning, you're not able to follow. Well, ask someone who does wake up early in the morning to help you follow it, that's all. It can get you up. It's a simple thing. Of course, if you don't want to follow, that's something else. But don't say you can't follow. You can. It's just a matter of desiring whether or not to do it. Those who sleep early in the morning, they enjoy the pleasure, maya suk, the pleasure of being in ignorance. And those who rise early in the morning, they enjoy the pleasure of seeing the Supreme Lord risen so beautifully and chanting His holy name. They enjoy the facility to go back home, back to Godhead. Srimad Gurvashtrakam Etaduchai Brahme Mahurte Patati Prayatna. Yastena Vrindavana Nata Sakshad Sevaira Labhyajan Shonda Eva. This is the Falashuti verse of the Gurvashtrakam. That anyone who during the Brahma Mahurtya loudly chants this Gurvashtrakam, very loudly and attentively also, then at the time of leaving their body, they directly attain service to Krishna in Vrindavan. Are you ready to get up early in the morning now? <laughs> Consider what you're missing. If you don't get up early in the morning, then you may be sleeping and sleeping and sleeping many lifetimes. Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Gora Chandra Bole. How long are we going to go on sleeping? Take rest early also. That also helps. Regulated life. So, let's pass the mic over now. When we understand how important is Krishna consciousness, then definitely we'll want to follow. Take a little difficulty to follow. You should associate anything with Krishna. same time we should understand that our duty is to try and the results that Krishna may give or not give. That's another test from Krishna. If we're not able to, we're trying to serve and we're not, the apparent result doesn't come, then that's a test. But are we attached to the result of showing, oh I'm such a great book distributor or are we attached to serving Krishna? Many years ago, Many are means in times of our tiny lifespans. Means uh, 
must have been 1978-1979. I was on a traveling bus party, not bus, van, traveling in England. There were three of us going out together week after week. So two of us, we were the top two distributors in England at that time. And the other devotee was with her, who was with us would go out all day, every day, and have very small scope. But every day he would go out, he would try, he would pray, but somehow or other he wasn't doing much. And myself and the other devotee, we didn't, you know, we didn't look down on him or anything because we could see he was trying his best. But he was, you know, he wasn't happy that he wasn't doing much, but he went on trying. So anyway, shortly after that, I came out to India. And in those days there wasn't much communication as there is now. But then after some time, uh, I came to know that he'd gone to South Africa and for, for several, I think for about two or three years, he was the top distributor in the world. He kept on trying and eventually Krishna rewarded him, even though he went for months and months trying, trying, trying and very small results but he kept on trying and then Krishna rewarded him in that way. So Krishna may reciprocate in various ways but we have to go on with faith in Krishna whatever the result is. Prabhupada was trying so hard to preach Krishna consciousness. Even his own family wasn't taking interest. He, eventually people showed interest in Jansi, people showed interest and he was developing something and then some difficulty came and everyone deserted Prabhupada. All the people who had come around him, shown interest, helped him to get a place and then the, uh, who's that? The Bharatiya Vidya Bhavan, Lilavati Munshi, his, his wife, she said, well, I think we should have this built. This building could be better used for some training women how to do sewing. So that was it. No one wanted to stand up to such a powerful woman and that was it. Prabhupada was out on the road again. All his effort for so many months finished. He, was, he had nothing. Back to square one. And he went on preaching and then he tried in different missions of his godbrothers and it all came to nothing and he eventually went to America and that also he went through so many difficulties and he kept on trying. And eventually the Krishna conscious movement developed. And even then there were so many difficulties. There were so many things. Which all of them they are not even mentioned in the Lilamrita. Because some of them are so shocking. That Satsuruk Maharaj didn't put. But sometimes the way Prabhupada's own disciples treated him. Is so shocking that it's not put in the Lilamrita. Prabhupada went on. So, yeah. sincerity graph. How do you measure it? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
So that requires some intelligence. So you do a preaching, and sometime in the day you withdraw, do some reading. Maybe sometimes you're so busy that you may go for some days without reading. So then you may withdraw also for a few days and do some extra studying and chanting and all these things. There's no fixed formula that we have to see individually. Krishna gives intelligence. Play safe, yeah, but not so safe that you don't take any risk also. You have to take some, preaching means taking some risk. If we're only thinking, I'll, I'll only act for my own benefit in Krishna consciousness, then actually we won't benefit very much. Preaching is also sadhana. Sadhana means activities for our purification. So preaching also is required to help purify us. Prabhupada writes in one purport that for, for devotees who are not engaged in going among the public and preaching to them, then it's very difficult to cross over the three modes of material nature. The three modes, that includes goodness. They come to the material world. And it's up to the living beings to decide 
which side they want to go on. Yeah, more questions? Okay. Hare Krishna. We should cut out at some point because they, they have to take prasadam and there's supposed to be another class of la- I mean, I don't mind. I think I'm you have a question? Who else had a question? Because you already asked one. Anyone else who didn't ask a question and wanted to ask one? Yeah. All right, pass the mic over there. Hare Everything is happening under the will of the Supreme Lord doesn't mean that everything is happening by the will of the Supreme Lord. There's a difference. That's practically the same question that was asked just now. That the Lord gives facility to those who don't want to remember Him to come to this material world. But it's not his desire that they come here. So those that come here, they act under the direction of the material energy. And they get what is due to them. It is the Lord's arrangement, indirectly, that those who perform sinful activities, they have to suffer. And anyway, that's September 11th thing. It's far, it's, you know, it's far too much publicity about this. Just because it happened in America. I mean, how many people have been killed in Kashmir? How many people were killed in that uh, September 11th thing? About three or four thousand, something like that. How many people have been? How many people die in uh, earthquakes and in Rwanda, some country in Africa? In a few months, they killed three million people. Just because it happened in America, they make such a big fuss about it. They're every day killing far more cows, pigs, chickens, and so on. And they're wondering, why did it happen to us? <laughs> I'm surprised, why didn't it happen before? <laughs> and in a much bigger scale. And actually Prabhupada gave the answer, because people in America are taking our books, Prabhupada said. They're getting a good result from that. Otherwise, America should have, you know, the, all those nuclear bombs the Russians made. They should have been doing their job, but it's only because the people in America are taking